I'm matchmaker Maria, the founder of Agape Match. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions and interview experts to give you the tools to find or keep the love of your life. This is Ask a Matchmaker. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. This week's guest is Hisa Fort Martinez, who is an LFMT. She is a Latina therapist, speaker, and writer, and specializes in helping women rebuild self-love and confidence after betrayal. For 30 years, Hisa has helped hundreds of individuals navigate life transitions and create paths of resolutions that have turned their lives around. Hilsa, welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thank you so much, Maria. It's great to be here. Uh, it's, it's great to have you. Uh, so essentially, you know, when I was learning more about you, I was like, oh, she's the breakup expert. Got it. Yes, that that's uh, I've been known by many terms, you know, and that certainly can be one how to how to really kind of regroup and and kind of redefine yourself after a breakup when many times. Right. As women, we define ourselves by our relationships, um, particularly our romantic relationships. So it's a process. Can you tell me a little more about what other names people call you in this world? (laughs) Well, um, my handle on, on social media is tough love healer. And actually I, I got that name through working with some of my clients as a, as a couple and family therapists over many years you know, when I started to do some of the social media, I asked them, you know, like, I don't know anything about this. How, how, what would I call myself? My first name is very difficult to say in general. Mm -hmm. So didn't want to do that. And I had a a whole bunch of people that kept coming back to me. So, well, you know, because you just do tough love, like you don't sugarcoat stuff. You just give me the direct thing. And so that's kind of how it, it came out that my approach of, of helping people kind of you know, reset themselves after, after whatever transitions they are going through is by, you know, uh, kind of at first lovingly kind of cocooning them. And then there's a certain point where, right, we got to be kicked out of the nest and said, well, you know, and so there's a little bit of that tough love of throwing you um, and giving you that little nudge or that little push. So two things, one, for those listening, go and follow Hilsa, tough love healer. Go right now, do it. I'll also include a link in the show notes. And number two, I'm really curious. I don't know if you know this, but I'm really curious what your Enneagram is because I feel like I belong to that instinctual place of tough love. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt like people who do that, um, especially online are people who don't like to waste time and they tend to be an Enneagram eight. Have you ever done your Enneagram? You know, I haven't. And, um, and it, now that you mentioned it though, Marie, I just had somebody else come that I came across that and, and I got it on my, you know, like to-do list to look it up and, and see, but like, on you know, um, is it, uh, is it Tony Robbins or the one that does the disc? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that one comes out as the dynamo, the D in it is dynamo. Cause really, yeah, I, I, I want people to be able to take their time and be able to, you know, allow themselves the time to, to recover when, when they've been hit hard. And at the same time, if we're not careful, right, there's a little thin line between taking care of ourselves and then isolating ourselves. Right. So there's that little nudge, like you said, of really needing to be 
um, encouraged, strongly encouraged as I, as I call it. Tell me a little bit more about how you, um, got into this line of work. I mean, I see that your education, you have a degree in psychology and then a master's degree. Uh, is that also in psychology? Yeah, it's in um, a specialty in marriage and family therapy. I really, you know, the, the whole concept of the, of the first place where we do social experiment, right, is in right. our families. Totally. And so um, for me, that was always fascinating. So it's a degree in, in, in counseling um, with a specialization in, in marriage and family therapy. Um, I, I kind of got through this a little bit through the back door. You know, I'm a, a first generation um, child of Cuban parents came, you know, over in the early part of the 60s. But my parents were quite progressive for for the late 1950s. They were both university graduates and they really encouraged um, schooling. But my father was a, a, an attorney. And um, so I was supposed to be an attorney, Maria. I was and, and I have to tell you, I really. I promise you, I really tried to be an attorney, you know, but every time I kept coming back towards really what drew me was really wanting to help people in a, in a different way. You know, my, right. my father helped people through the letter of the law, but I wanted to help people really at, at kind of the, the core places for us, right? The, the heart and the mind and the combination thereof, you know, and um, so begrudgingly, they always supported me. But again, as some of our, our Hispanic stigmas to counseling and to, and uh, I shouldn't even say Hispanic stigmas. Just oh gosh, stigmas. it's like full on immigrant stigma. I mean, I feel yeah, like that exactly. about the Greek community, like the amount of kids that I grew up with in the Greek community where I'm like, oh, you had just undiagnosed ADHD. That's what was exactly like exactly. And so all of the stigmas, right, that go right. along with doing any kind of, of uh, mental health uh, counseling of any kind, I grew up with all of that. And yet they were also oddly very supportive. And right. so go do it. You could go do what you want to do. And, and, and so do you have siblings. I have a younger brother who um, is brilliant, but was not the school guy. Hmm brilliant, but not the school guy. So I was supposed to be that, you know, but a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure and a lot of, like you said, a lot of the first generation, I'm the oldest, all of that kind of stuff. But this was really something that always drew me. And after over 25 years that I've been in private practice, I still really like what I do. You know, I still really find it five years. I, you know, what's so funny. I'm so happy to, oh, now I'm like even more excited. Um, <laughs> like, Okay. So I don't, what's your favorite rom-com? I want to just do a little comparison note here. Um, what's the one that is the, uh, Diane Keaton and she's on the beach and Something's gotta with give. Jack Nic- yes, with Jack That's a Nicholson. Good one. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Isn't Ke- Keanu Reeves is like her love interest, right? Yes. Oh, right? I love it. <laughs> uh, my favorite movie is my favorite rom-com. I'm going to have a few, right. Um, but my favorite one is you've got mail. And, uh, I was just rewatching it for Valentine's day as like a way to decompress because that was, you know, a very long day for me, a professional matchmaker. (laughs) And I was struck as I was watching it, I was thinking about how, like, you know, now I'm 38. Like when this movie came out, I was a teenager, right? I, it came out when I was, I think like 14 years old Mm. and what I was struck by was that like, wow, like if I were if I were a therapist, I probably would have made a lot of money in those 
first two years of that, because that movie depicted a very new relationship type, which is like, uh, yes, everyone's got AOL at home. Mm-hmm. You might have a spouse, but you're now talking to strangers and there's an excitement to that. Yeah. And I feel like the next time we saw that uh, was when Facebook came out, you know, 10 years later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Absolutely. you've been doing this for 25 years. So have you seen these like ebb and flows of like relationship tra- uh, trauma and drama because of yeah. how yeah. we communicate with people? Absolutely. And that's a great way to, to put it, trauma and drama or drama and trauma, depending yeah. on, depending on the order, it. right? Yeah, depending on the order. Absolutely. There's been a whole variety of different ways. And, you know, while the technology is always something that's great, right, embracing some of it, um, at the same time, technology has added a great deal of pressure, right, to to the whole idea of dating or even just getting in connection with other people, Um, you know, because social interactions aren't always about dating, right? They are about friendships, about, you know, working relationships. And so it's created a whole different dimension and the whole, the level of anonymity, which could be a good thing, but could also be, you know, a very isolating thing. So there's a lot more, you know, I look at my daughters at this point and I say, you know, when, when I was dating, you had the one phone that was on the kitchen wall and you had the long cord that let me go into the family room. And that was the extent of, and when we broke up, I didn't have to hear from that person again, right. especially as we got older and we were out of high school, I wouldn't have to deal with him again, or maybe, maybe I would bump into him. But nowadays, now people yeah. follow you on stealth follow mode on your you. Instagram stories. Exactly. Exactly. Stalk you, uh, know, locate you, all of these kinds of things that are really very hard to, to not only, you know, um, survive the breakup of a relationship, but allow yourself to figure out ways to thrive again. Right. So would you, in that case, recommend that like after a breakup, just block across the board? Um, I very often I do, particularly depending on the level of trauma, like you were saying, the level of toxicity in a relationship. I, but even even just a a, a, a more run of the mill kind of relationship uh, breakup. I tell you, yes, because why, you know, looking at social media is almost like having a wound that you keep poking your finger in. So it's never going to heal, you know, and so at least I tell them, give yourself uh, some time. And that's, that's kind of the paradigm that, that I work with that, that I call the four R's, you know, and in that first piece that has to do with resting, I, I really encourage people to just kind of unplug, disconnect from um, certainly the social medias of whatever level that, that they're in, but even, even the, the texting kinds of scenarios or emails or whatever, unplug yourself so that you give yourself an opportunity to just kind of rest. Wait, Hilsa, you just said the four R's. Walk me through the four R's as it pertains to getting through a breakup. Okay, so the four arms is uh, ours is is a paradigm that I have used many times. And, And the four R's, the first one, and to me, the cornerstone is rest, creating the time for rest because we identify resting in this culture with being lazy or unproductive. So resting. Then we go into reflect. Then when rest and reflect 
kind of combined, we can go into resetting. And then the final stage is the re-engaging. Okay, so resting, like I said, is about allowing yourself time and space to really just, just kind of, you know, it may be about napping, it may be about, um, uh, you know, just uh, doing things, activities that you used to like, but it's really about just unplugging and letting yourself be as unjudgmental with yourself as possible. And in that process, I encourage people then to start the reflection. You know, this is a really good time. The breakup of a relationship is devastating. And yet it could also be a huge liberating gift, you know, depending on the drama and the trauma, as you were saying. So I really encourage people to take the time to reflect, uh, asking yourself some of the hard questions. You know, how did I get here? What do I want? What is important to me at this point in my life? Um, how do I want to align those things? So a variety of questions that I really encourage people to sit quietly and think about and see. And with the beauty of it being that there isn't any right answers and there's no wrong answers. So everything that, you, that comes up for you is, is helpful as part of your unique formula. And then when some of this has happened and there's no time frame, right? Because in a in the breakup of a relationship, like like any other grieving of a loss, um, there isn't there isn't like a it's not a linear process. You don't go from like A to Z, boom, you're done. But rather it's really circular. You know, you may you may spend some time really feeling like, okay, I'm ready to reset. And then you go out there and you bump into your ex and oh. For a lot of us to throw us back, right? A trigger. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage the, the, the visualization of this really being kind of a circular process that you take three steps forward and two back and that that's all good, that that's all good. So the resetting is really about how am I going to put together all of these lessons that I've learned from this relationship? What was my role? What do I want now in a partner? Um, do I want a partner? Because a, a, a lot of women that I work with uh, think that the best thing to do is, you know, I fell off the, the saddle. Let me just get right back onto the saddle and keep and, and start dating again. And that for me is, you know, a, a sure way to create further disappointment for yourself. Okay. Because so when you ready. advise after a breakup, to give yourself time, time. Now, okay. what that time is for you versus what that time is for me could be different. But I, people always ask you for a number. Well, how long? Right. So sometimes I give them a number. Okay, give me three months. Give me three to six months where you are only dealing with you. You know, you're you're allowing yourself to kind of you know create a little bit of a scab, so to speak, on that wound, and let it start to heal. And we talk about ways that we do that. And, and that's all the, the resetting piece, you know, like what is it that's going to help that wound heal? But it all has to start with your person, you know, as women in particular, when we start to go back out there and look for that Prince Charming, right? Because a lot of us were raised on that Cinderella myth, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to meet Prince Charming and he's going to be fabulous and he's going to be on this beautiful white horse. And I'm going to go off and live happily ever after. And when we meet 
someone and they're not so charming, right? And their horse is a little dirty and we're not, and then we're not sure what to do with it. So I really encourage people to take the time three to six months where you're on your own, you're doing your thing. What is that? What is that? So many women tell me they have no idea. They have no idea what they like or what they used to like. So it's almost a process for some of learning, but for many of us, a relearning, a reconnecting. And so when that process has been done, only then do I encourage um, women, people, but women is what I tend to work with more often, to think about the re-engaging into the social world, but very intentionally. So how do I want to do that? And when do I want to do that? And what's that going to look like for me? Is it about dating? Is it about making new friends? Is it going to be virtually? Or is it about reconnecting with some friends that I left behind? Many of us leave relationships when, you know, friendships when we are in a, in a, permanent relationship, right? In, in a romantic relationship. So it's all of these kinds of questions to, to really help you. And for me, the four R's kind of helps them kind of figure out what that lane is and help them to stay in their lane a little bit more fluidly. Right. Oh, I love that. Sense? No, it does make sense. And it's, it's interesting. Cause I recently had a client ask me like, you know, I just broke up with a guy that I was dating for three months. Um, you know, she's 36 years old. She feels very worried about her age because she wants to get married and have kids. And she's like, I don't want to take six months to get ready. Mm -hmm. Um, what can I do? And one of the things that I advise you to do is, you know, it's always good to take time, the time that you need, Mm -hmm. but also why not, instead of focusing on men right now, why don't, and I think this is going to what you're saying about reset. Um, I said to her, I need you to pick a consistent activity for the next month, something that makes you go out for once a week. So like, maybe that's a wine tasting, maybe Mm -hmm. that's taking an improv class, maybe it's taking a Mm -hmm. cooking class, but do something that gives you the sense. I called it a refresh, Mm -hmm. gives you a sense of like a refresh of who you are to re-engage with your identity. And I just find it like so interesting because you have these four, like, it's not that you have four lanes, it's, it's the highway, but you're merging onto the next lane and there's a visualization there. And I love that. Yes. Beautiful. And I like that. The refresh, it's similar to what, what we're talking yeah. about. How do you reconnect with your person? Because if you don't know who you are, right. how are you going to know who's going to work with you? Who's going to be compatible? If you're not clear on what rocks your world, on what you're passionate about. Yeah. But also I think it goes back to, and I know I'm sure you feel the same way. Like I certainly don't want someone panic dating. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, if I don't find the right person in the next two years, you know, the goals I have set for myself are just not going to be met. It's like, well, no, the goals readjust as we go. Like, you know, you don't know, Absolutely. right. You could meet the perfect person tomorrow. That doesn't mean that you're going to meet any of those goals. Uh, Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Um, Hilsa, you also mentioned like um, before about when you talked about the first one, it's like, what was the first one? It was not reflection. Rest. Was it re- rest. rest. rest is so is that, so is the rest period, the time that you mourn the loss of a relationship? Yes. You know, essentially. Um, and you know, we, we mourn a loss of, of any kind really across four continuums. If you, if you think about it, Maria, because we have a physical body, we have a, 
a, a cognitive right part to us, an intellectual or mind. We have an emotional part to us, all where, where all of our feelings are stored. And then we have a spiritual piece. And that spiritual piece, I don't mean religious, that spiritual piece, I mean, you know, what's what's our purpose? What What is my uh, path? What is it that may, that is important to me that gives me meaning? And so mourning that, that where you were peace and what happened there is is very much a part of the the process of grieving and the process of getting to the point where we can accept this is done there isn't any going back to that and we don't want to go back to it because that so again how do you circular piece right so you just mentioned that right like we don't want to go back to that i feel like one of the most popular questions i get is like oh i ran into an ex and i feel like it could be different this time part of me doesn't i feel like 95 maybe more than 95 percent of the time it's not going to work out the way you think it is but you know you know better than i do so why don't you tell me your professional opinion here well, I mean, I, I tend to to agree with you on that, that very often it's not um, unless both people have like really done a lot of of like personal development or self work. Uh, very often, all we do is slide back into whatever um, the dynamics were, you know, beforehand. Um, and very often, why do we do that? Because, you know, what is familiar feels, you know, is what we gravitate towards. You know, it's less scary. Oh, I know that. Oh, I know that person, you know. And so we, we gravitate to what we know, even when we know that's not really good for us. Right. It's just familiar. Yeah. Right. Do you, um, do you feel like with you know, we mentioned before social media, I feel like there is that lingering of social media where not only do you see their stories and all that stuff, but you also see like the highlight reel, right? Like they move mm -hmm. on with their lives and they're posting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I notice that people's posts are really for an audience of one. <laughs> right. I have to always try to remind people that uh -huh. uh, like they're, tr they're trying to like make you feel like you're missing out, but yeah. why don't tell me, do you, do you ever think about this as well with your clients? Do you see this like in your um, therapy practice? Sure. And, and I see it obviously more often in, in a younger um, population, right? Because they're more used to using the technology. Somebody in my age group is going to use it, but you know, I, it, they struggle a lot more to get into, let's say the dating apps or those kinds of things that the technology is different. Um, and, the, and the thinking around that is different. Um, but that is a big piece of why, you know, I really encourage people to kind of take a hiatus, you know, just an unplug for X amount of time, whatever, whatever they are willing to do so that that they have an opportunity to just kind of really rest from all of that seeing the story, seeing what other people, you know, as the kids call it FOMO, it just is, it happens, you know, it, it really is a strong um, emotional pull to, wow, look at everybody's life is so much better than mine. And you and I both know, Maria, that that's, you know, that's a still life. That's a that's moment right. in, in time only. Um, is there a super highway to like getting over an ex? I, I would want to say no. 
I don't think that it's something that needs to take you years and years and certainly not years and years of therapy. Okay. But I, I, I wouldn't say that there's a super highway I would want you to take, you know, maybe a moderate highway, maybe a couple of back roads even. Okay. Um, because this is really an opportunity for you to regroup and reconnect with yourself that the, the, the discovery or the rediscovery of like, who is Maria or who is Hilsa is so super important for like the long term. you know, like it's like not a sprint, but a marathon kind of an idea. So when people say to me, yeah, how long is this going to take? And I'm like, well, how long are, are you able to tolerate? What are you willing to do in order to help yourself with the process? And that begins my, my kind of helping them to, to, to step into my paradigm of this is, this is something that is about, you know, restoring your sense of self. Right. I'm thinking about like my four biggest breakups. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember like with the first one, um, how I feel like this is like my college relationship. Mm -hmm. I remember with that particular relationship, I mean, it was on and off for like so long, like we should have broken up like six months in. I don't know what the hell we were Mm -hmm. thinking, carrying (laughs) out for as long as we did. Um, but I remember that how quickly I got over that relationship. And I feel like it was because I was so frustrated that the love became indifference. And that's when I learned that the opposite of love is indifference. It's not hate because that's an, also an emotion that was just like, I just don't care about this person anymore. They need to get out of my life as quick as possible. And I remember like thinking about that a lot. And then when my next breakup happened, like, I remember thinking like, wow, that was for as long as it lasted and as on and off as it was when it was finally over, it was like effing over. Mm-hmm. And then I remember my next heartbreak where I was like, wow, that took me years to like, I mean, I was still dating and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, that just took me years to like unpack the trauma of that relationship. And that was like shorter. Well, and part of what happens likely, obviously I don't know your story, Maria, but the likelihood is that you got a little bit of residue from the first relationship that you, you know, you don't think you do, but it kind of mixed up into this one, right. You know, aside from where do we all come from? You know, as women, our first relationships with men is with our fathers. So where is that? So we don't have to do deep psychoanalytic therapy in order to have some conversations with, with, with women about, you know, what did they learn about relationships and what was important to them and, and, and how come, and just helping people make some of those connecting of the dots, right. Is that, you know, the emotional awareness thing. And then the more, you know, about yourself, it's hard to go back into not knowing once, you know, right. Right. Um, So sometimes we drag things with us until we are able or willing to, like you said, unpack. Right. How do you unpack? Good unpacking means you take everything out of the suitcase, decide what you want, and then you repack. I have an observation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this observation. So I have noticed that when it's a relationship that's been cut short, like six weeks, two months in, I feel like the mourning period can be longer than if you dated someone for two years. And the hypothesis I have behind this observation is when you date someone where it's like 
at the spark. Like I hate the word spark, but mm-hmm. um, you're at the beginning of Eros love, right? Like it's mm-hmm. still lusty. You're mm-hmm. envisioning in that six week, eight month, eight week period, like, oh, we'll spend the holidays together. We're going to do this with our siblings or this with our mm-hmm. friend group. We're going to go to all these restaurants. And then suddenly it's like abrupt breakup and yeah. you start to mourn like all of the memories you could have made versus like you date someone for two years. And it's like, oh yeah, you live this life. You know what it's like to meet their siblings. You know what it's like to go to these like restaurants and yeah, it still didn't work out. And I feel like I see this when people ask me questions, like when it's a relationship that's less than four months, I notice that the mourning period for those people is just so much longer. Um, do you see this? Is this, I mean, I, I certainly have seen that and I just coattail to that to also want to know how the relationship ended, you know, because, mm-hmm. right, it, one thing is, you know, uh, somewhat of a mutual ending or somewhat of, but definitely if you are ghosted. Ghosted. Let's say, or, I was about to say you just took the word out of my mouth. I'm like, let's pretend it was ghosting because I feel like that's when the most mourning happens with a lot of people right now. Right. Because then that's, in, in my experience, that's less about, oh, you know, all of the fantasy, although that's there, right? Because we didn't get a chance to like really explore everything, but more, it's more about, well, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And why did they, why did they want to hang around? And, and then we do this internalization, but this internalization in a very negative way. Right. And so that I, I can see that being I have seen that being a lot more damaging because the ghosting, you don't know. And what you really want is answers to what happened. OK. And we create these fantasies also of what could have been. And that just is, it's almost like a perfect storm of, you know, disappointment and and, and sadness and, and all of that. Right. Hilsa. It was wonderful having you. Any last bit of advice for someone experiencing a heartbreak right now today? I think that I would say if I had to tell you one thing to help you transition, you know, a little bit is to have some grace and some compassion with yourself. You know, um, a breakup of whatever, you know, length of time, but one that was not of your choosing is going to be painful. Any way you look at it, it's going to be painful. So to have a little compassion with yourself, to know that it's going to take some time, create the time and the space, both inside as well as your environment in order to give yourself, you know, a chance to, to kind of reset. I love that. And is there, can people work with you wherever they live or do they have to live in the same state as you? I mean, to do direct psychotherapy, they need to be in the state of Florida. Okay. okay. I do a lot of kinds of uh, life coaching and relationship coaching, mm-hmm. which um, uh, have broader kinds of, of abilities for us to connect and, and for us to be able to do. I am in the process of, tra- uh, of developing a, a, like an online uh, a course okay. to kind of help you know, this, this process that you and I talked about here in, in condensed form to really uh, is where I give, you know, ideas and um, uh, examples, as well as, you know, help people work through what, what I call my four R's. So right. um, that's in development. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm rooting for you. Can, uh, so people can find you on Instagram, uh, Instagram. tough love healer, right. And on your website, right. On my website, hillsafort.com. 
Um, I am on Facebook, Hilsa Fort Martinez, and um, I'm doing more things on LinkedIn lately. Some of my awesome. blog posts and things like that are on there. So well, I'll make sure to include all those links in the right. show notes for anyone that's interested. Hilsa, thank you again for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It was a wonderful way to end the week. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know what to do. Go tell a friend, go tell three friends. In fact, if one of your friends is right now going through a bad breakup, this is the episode you need to forward to them, get them on track into getting closer to healing. And of course, go follow my girl, Hilsa, Tough Love Healer on Instagram. Be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. See you next week.